It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Fans awoke this morning to a balmy 14 degrees in Indianapolis, but that did little to cool off the enthusiasm here as Alabama and Georgia get set to meet for a second time this season. Only now, a national championship is on the line. This flame is burning bright. This time it's do or die. The chase is something that you always look forward to. But I think you also appreciate the finish. See y'all in Indy. Let's go. You want to be a champion? You got a chance for a championship today. Welcome to College Football Live, built by the Home Depot. to our game day edition of College Football Live, live from Indianapolis. I'm Wendy Nix with Joey Galloway, Greg McElroy, Dan Mullen, Coach Luke Fickle, and Paul Feinbaum will also join us because you know what? Here we go again. Stop me if you've heard this before, but this isn't the first time we've seen these teams, not by a long shot. Tonight, in fact, marks the fifth time AP top five opponents have met twice in the same season. Bad news for the Tide. The loser of the first game won the rematch each of the previous four times. We stick with the Crimson Tide. They've earned it after all, and they're looking to add another title to their already crowded trophy case. Alabama not only vying for back-to-back -back titles, but think about this. The history, it's seventh in the last 13 seasons, all under head coach Nick Saban. What a tremendous legacy he's built in Tuscaloosa. While Alabama is dynastic, it's been a long time since Georgia's been on top of the college football world. They've come close, but not since 1980 have they walked away with a national championship. They, of course, hope that will change tonight. I will say this. It would mean the world to head coach Kirby Smart. He's a Georgia native. He played his college football in Athens, but I will also add this. Alabama's not about to get sentimental about this, Greg, when they step on that field tonight. Not at all. And this is going to be about execution. If you look at the rosters, I think both teams are actually built in a way to exploit the opposition. Bama, a team that now has turned to what is an explosive offense with a high-flying passing attack and a very capable quarterback. That's built to exploit the Georgia defense, where they are a little bit weak and have some question marks in the secondary. And then conversely, you look at where Georgia's been built. They're kind of like Bama six or seven years ago, a team that wants to pound you along the line of scrimmage defensively, have a complementary offense with a great run game, and take play-action shots downfield. So I think these teams match up beautifully, and it's no surprise, Joey, with how they've recruited, that they're back in this position chasing another national championship. I'm usually not a fan of rematches, but the way this season played out, with Georgia being by far and away the best team in the country for a large part of the season, and Alabama having ups and downs that we haven't seen a Nick Saban Alabama team have with this much talent. And so we get to the SEC championship game and everyone's assuming that Georgia, because they've been so dominant the entire season, that Georgia would find a way to finally get over that Alabama hump. 
Well, it goes completely the opposite direction. Alabama dominates the game. Yeah. So then Georgia comes back, wins their semifinal game, looking like the Georgia we expected. So now the buildup to this game and, and, and the talk about uh, the two Titans going at it, I cannot wait to a few hours from now when this game gets kicked <laughs> I off. agree with you, Joey. Not often are we happy to see the rematch, but it just oh, seemed yeah. right in this instance. Alabama playing for its ninth national championship. That is by far the most in college football. We have reporters embedded with both teams, and we'll start with Holly Rowe, who is with Alabama. Thanks, Wendy. For Alabama, think about last year. At the national championship game in the final moments, Bryce Young came in to just have some kneel-down plays. He ran with the game ball over to the winning quarterback, Mac Jones, to give him the game ball. Well, Mac Jones said, no, you keep it. This is your team now, effectively passing the torch. Bryce Young has taken that torch and run with it this season. He has been absolutely fantastic, completing almost 70% of his passes and winning the Heisman Trophy and SEC Championship game. But he told me yesterday, for him to have success against Georgia once again, he has to balance three key factors. Number one, have fun, but not be reckless. Number two, be focused. And number three, stay calm. That will be his greatest challenge against this great Georgia defensive front that is extremely motivated after not sacking him in their previous meeting. Now for more on the Bulldogs, let's check in with Molly McGrath. Well, Holly, Georgia head coach Kirby Smart said his team's focus and attention to detail was the best this week that it's been all season. That was something I noticed during their final full practice ahead of this national championship game. The players looked focused and locked in. Defensive players were doing extra pass rush drills, and linebacker Nicobe Dean told me their priority in this game is getting to quarterback Bryce Young. Georgia had zero sacks in the SEC championship game, and Bulldog defensive players have been calling Young the gingerbread man all week because of his ability to run around in the backfield and evade pressure. Dean said in order to get after the quarterback this time around, they're going to have to play with all of the aggression and physicality they can muster, telling his teammates, you're going to look back at what you did this week for the rest of your lives. You're going to want to look back and know you did absolutely everything you could. Wendy? Molly, thank you, and you're absolutely right. This one will stick with you, win or lose tonight, in case you've missed it. Number three, Georgia, number one, Alabama. 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN. It's the college football playoff national championship game presented by AT&T, and, of course, it happens right here at Lucas Oil Stadium. We've got you covered from every platform, so many ways to watch and listen. Ahead on College Football Live, the story of Atlanta's Tayton Johnson and his friendship with the Bulldogs. Our players basically said, hey, coach, we need to do something for this young man. We just wanted to do anything in our, in our power at the time just to put a smile on his face. And former Florida coach Dan Mullen, along with Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle, are here. They offer their own Hello. scouting report Florida along with what they the think game. we can expect tonight. I'm a catcher. Never started out. Football Live is built by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Aerial coverage provided by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. 
You can certainly already feel the buzz here in Indy now that game day is finally here. We'll check in with Marty Smith and Kirk Herbstreet, guys who are already here at Playoff Fan Central. Thank you, Wendy, my friend. <laughs> it is the moment everybody waits for all year long in the college football season. <laughs> it's Championship Monday in the college football playoff, but no. It's the Eckrich Million Dollar Challenge yeah. where Kirk and Different. I will alternate throwing five balls apiece for the opportunity to win a million dollars for extra yard for teachers. Are you ready, Senator? Yes. All yeah, right. let's, let's give it a try. It let's give All it a right. try here. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. Let's Good see luck. how, Good let's luck. See no how this unfolds. Hey, right. You got this. Right. Take your time. Appreciate the Butler Bulldogs for letting us use their ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a little high. Not bad little out of the bad. gate. Yeah, first one. Not bad one. out of the gate. Kind of recalibrate there. Get a full scholarship with that throw. Oh. Hey, okay, we're on. We're close. on. It. I like we're, it. Okay, all right, we got 45 seconds got, left. I got to aim a little higher. Nope. James told me higher. aim for the head. Okay, all right, all right, we're close. We're here. No pressure here. All right, we're on it, boss. Let's we're on it. Let's get 100,000. Take right us here. home. Let's get this 100k. Extra yard for teachers. Nope. Okay, it's all good. All right, we got it. 20 seconds to go. Bang. Oh, you my are man. Welcome, America. You no. are welcome. <laughs> that was for all of y'all. That was for y'all, baby. Come on, where, where you at, Greg McElroy? Where you at, Greg McElroy? One more. We, right, we, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Chuck it. <laughs> oh. Good job. Good job, hey, my man. Thank you, bro. You got one. You got one. I'm so proud. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's bring out Shane Smith, the president and CEO of Smithfield Foods. So Kirk, you got a big check in your hand, I young do, man. Do. I do. It's at least $100,000 on here. I like yes. that. What do we got? So on behalf of Smithfield and Eckridge, we want to thank you guys for all the work you've done for us and helping support Extra Yard for Teachers. And I really expected there to be more than one. <laughs> so did we. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> but on behalf of Eckridge, we'd like to present oh, a $300,000. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. For Smithfield and Eckridge, uh, devotion to the college football playoff and to our teachers all over the country. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. You are heroes. Thank you so Appreciate much for it. everything you do. We're grateful. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you, guys. Wendy? I, I, Thank I, you. We'll send you to Matt Berry now, Matt. Yeah, see, Wendy, Marty was so busy <laughs> gloating, he butchered the toss to Paul Feinbaum <laughs> and Matt Berry out here at the stadium to talk a little college football. Not only did Marty butcher the toss, he was showboating when he made it, burned valuable time off the clock to win more money. Nonetheless, great throw. Hi, how are you? Welcome to College Football Monday. And, Paul, when you look at the rematch of this game, Alabama and Georgia from the SEC Championship, here's what I find intriguing. Kirby Smart 0-4 against Nick Saban. Had the lead in all four of those, three of them by double digits. Yep. How much does mental play into this game? A lot, uh, especially when you, when you lay it out like that. And you know, for those who say, well, Georgia, and I've said it, Georgia has the better team. Okay, well, they had the better team in Atlanta, and they, they got run over by Nick Saban. So I think it's more in Kirby Smart's head tonight 
than it was even then because he had we all knew he had the better team he didn't he, he didn't have to fight losing uh, some people have tried to turn that around right uh, we have a lot of sigmund freuds in the audience <laughs> who say oh they're they're more motivated i don't think so I, I think they're a little more concerned than they were the last time i've said this numerous times when it comes to to coaching styles relative to their team do you believe the georgia players pick up that maybe Kirby in this Alabama game can run a little bit tighter than perhaps he would against any other opponent. Yes, because there is evidence, Matt. You just go back to every one of these games, and you know, I don't need to point toward the 2017 National Championship game, but Georgia had the game won. They were piling on, and what did Nick Saban do? He changed quarterbacks. Right. He brought in a guy named Tua who, walk, who threw a walk-off touchdown. The next year when they met, he did it again. He went the reverse. Uh, Tua was banged up. He brought in Jalen Hurts. So, and the, the meeting last year, Georgia had a lead again. So I, I think it does play. And I, we all know these are, these are guys that work together. Kirby was like a son to Nick Saban. The departure has been a little tense when, sure. you, when you compete like they do. But uh, I think Kirby's smart if you put him up to a lie detector test. And why not? Let's go do it. Um, <laughs> you know, would tell you, yeah, Nick Saban's in my head. Yeah, and look, we've, we've had this conversation. It's not, I don't think this is an if now when, but it's clear top to bottom Georgia has been the most talented team in the country this year. And, and that's, that's the biggest difference of all. In, in the past, the other three meetings, Saban's had the better team. We know that. This year, he doesn't. And, and, I mean, there are flaws with this Alabama team. I don't want to sit here with the national championship hours away from saying Alabama shouldn't be here. But they lost to A&M. Yep. They should have lost to, to Auburn. If Tank Bigsby goes out of bounds late in the game, it's over. Right. And we don't have Alabama here. That's how close it's been. But Nick Saban always finds a way. There's a reason why he's the greatest coach of all time. Let's talk Saban legacy because he's trying to join Bobby Bowden as the only coach to win a national championship in his year 70 of age. Statistically, we look at Saban throughout the decades. His win percentage keeps getting better the older he gets. What do you make of the job that Saban's done this year with this team in this new era of college football? With a win late tonight, this would go down as his greatest coaching job. It's still phenomenal, even without a win, but that would cement it. And, and I, I think when you think about that age, he turns 70 on Halloween. And that is when most coaches go straight down. Uh, when you look at the great coaches, Paterno, Bowden, others, it's like the stock market on triple witching day, straight down. <laughs> it's a crash. Saban, he's just, you know, he's, this is a pedestrian year for Nick Saban. He's playing for the national championship. You talk pedestrian, Mac Jones gone, Najee Harris gone, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Oh, there were some that maybe you look at and say, well, this Alabama team lost a lot of talent now. Can they get back here? Not only are they back here, but there are a lot of people because of the mental aspect of this that think Alabama, albeit an underdog, can come and do it again against Georgia. And here's the worst part for Kirby Smart if he loses. Nick Saban will start next season number one, win or lose. He's got a better team than Kirby Smart. Next year, Alabama fans are always talking about next year, but they, they have been talking about next year for a while because Bryce Young will have one year under his belt as a starter. In case some of you missed it, he's the Heisman winner. That is frightening. Will Anderson Jr., also a sophomore, if you think that you're going to get Alabama after no. this year, maybe a year ahead of where people expected them to be. So we'll find out which team gets the better of the national championship tonight. We know this about the Georgia fans. They're all over town. I'd estimate maybe 60-40 yeah. Georgia fans. They had a good time getting here because this is going to be a fun game tonight. Who's that coming down the track? It's a meme machine and red. 
It's the meme machine in red and black. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Ain't nothing finer in the land. There's some natty seeking Georgia fans. There's some natty seeking Georgia fans. Go, 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 go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, guys, we have told an awful lot of stories this college football season, but few as touching and as meaningful as the one we're about to share with you. This past January, last year, there was a fire in an Athens home. 13-year-old Tayden Johnson, he survived, but his mom, his grandma, and his little sister did not. But in the worst moments, we often see the best in humanity, and the Athens community rallied behind Caden Johnson. In fact, the Georgia football team rallied behind him as well. A few weeks after the fire, they invited him to the Georgia football facility. We just wanted to do anything in our, in our power at the time just to put a smile on his face. I went over, you know, a little tentative, didn't know exactly what to say, but he had a big smile on his face. He had such a positive attitude that just shocked me. Buddy was like a superstar, honestly. Um, we greeted him with open arms. We got to take pictures with a lot of guys. I mean, he just wanted to have fun. I personally remember him doing the yoga with us that day with my jersey on and like just laughing about the little things like we do. We were just playing ball and racing each other. He's a strong kid, and what happened is not the end of the world for him, and that's why. I think what makes him strong. It's always going to be bigger than football, and we want to make sure that the people in our community know that. Kirby Smart said, if you can't affect people in a positive way, what's your purpose? And that's a big reason why the Georgia football team brought you guys in. Tayden Johnson and Zach Hendricks joining us today. Zach is Tayden's mentor. We're so happy to have you guys. Is this fantastic or what, Tayden? Yeah. <laughs> Tayden and Zach are going to the game today. I think you know who they'll be cheering for. What would it mean to you, Tayden, if Georgia could bring home a national title tonight? It would mean everything to me. And the community has been so great, rallying behind you, supporting you. What type of joy has Georgia football brought you this year, watching them march towards a national title? It brought a lot of joy to me. Got, a, got what happened off my mom. You know, yeah. I know you think you're real fast. Did you uh, challenge any of these folks out here to a race? That I'll was... beat anybody out here. <laughs> I don't know. I think I beat him yesterday. No, 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 no. See, see, see what happened was 
CC. Not. <laughs> it didn't. You didn't actually beat him, apparently. Great to have Tayden joining us and Zach as well. They'll be rooting for the Georgia Bulldogs this evening. And we've got much more to come here on College Football Live. In fact, coming up, quarterbacks Jesse Palmer and Greg McElroy are going to break down the quarterbacks in this national championship. Who has the edge in the rematch? That's coming up. Welcome back to College Football Live, built by the Home Depot. Whenever you roll into Indianapolis for a race or a game, you have to try the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. The place has been an Indy landmark for well over a century. And hey, Alabama and Georgia, they know a thing or two about cocktails. The dogs are part of that big party in Jacksonville every year. And you've probably heard of or maybe had an Alabama slammer or two. And given the recent rivalry between these teams, this week I expect that cocktail sauce to be extra spicy. Well, the field was set on New Year's Eve, and since then we've been counting down the days and now hours until college football's biggest game of the year, Alabama, has won seven straight in this series. But, of course, Georgia can put that all to bed tonight. ESPN, your home for pregame coverage today. Up next after College Football Live, it's championship drive at 3. After Around the Horn and PTI, we pick it back up with college game day and 6 o'clock Eastern, the Ram Trucks college football pregame. And then, of course, we kick it off, the national championship between Georgia and Alabama at 8 o'clock Eastern. Coming up here, though, with us on College Football Live, a deep dive with not one, but two head coaches who have faced Alabama this season, Dan Mullen and Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle will weigh in. They'll tell you what to expect tonight. And plus, our analysts look closely at the X's and O's of tonight's rematch. We'll talk keys to this game, which often, by the way, starts and ends with the quarterbacks. Bryce is exceptional with poise. He handles pressure very well. Cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't panic. He knows where to go exactly with the ball. Bryce gets the snap. Looks, throws the fade route. Near side, end zone. Got it on. Touchdown, Alabama! He's got ice water in his man. He's unshaken. And uh, that's what you want in a quarterback, especially in those crunch time situations. You know, you want your leader to have a level head. Bryce seldom gets frustrated. He's really been a positive influence on his teammates. It's lethal. Bryce is going to be one of the greatest by the time it's over. Bryce Young has put his stamp on Alabama's record books in his first season as the Tide's starting quarterback. He set Alabama's single-season record for passing touchdowns, yards, and completions while, oh, by the way, becoming the Tide's first quarterback to win the Heisman. All right, I'm here with our quarterbacks, although I feel like at this point it needs a little, like, our quarterbacks. Wow. Just, no, hey. Are you saying we're husbands? No, that's no, us. not any more than I am. Oh. So I'm right at the water is warm. <laughs> Jump on in, Jesse Palmer and Greg McElroy. Uh, and Jesse, I'll start with you because what I've heard all season, uh, Bryce Young, wise beyond his years. You yeah. know, we, we've talked a lot about that. How does that translate on the field? Well, as good as he is physically, the poise is really what makes Bryce Young unique. He simply can't coach it. We saw that from the very first drive of the first game against Miami to the 97-yard game-tying drive late against Auburn, and he's needed that poise. 
this because past pro for Alabama, it's been a bit inconsistent. But then you watched how they played against Georgia and Atlanta. You watched that film. They were great at giving Bryce Young a clean pocket in time to make throws down the field. And that's something that they absolutely have to be able to do tonight. Rewind to that game. All the stunts in games. Nolan Smith looping inside. They're bringing a linebacker. The center's going to go out to the right, pick up the looper. The left guard and running back tandem that linebacker. There's a big throw over the middle to Jamison Williams for a touchdown later in the game. Nolan Smith again, their best pass rusher coming on a loop inside. Look at the center and the right guard slide that way to get a combo block. Clean pocket. We're talking 4.3 seconds to find John Mechie in the end zone. There was different ways that they were able to block using chips. The tight end Cam Latu in the left chip block. How about the running back Trey Sanders on the right get another chip block and there's that clean pocket finding Jamison Williams deep down the field for yet another throw. I expect Bryce Young to be under a lot more duress here tonight in this game. He's got some injury problems up front at right guard, right tackle. Georgia's defense so motivated. They're going to have some new blitzes and some new looks if they can keep him clean. That's huge in this game for Alabama. Yeah, and so much of his success this year has come on broken plays, improvisational plays, off-schedule plays. Being able to extend some of those plays by making a guy miss buying just a little bit more time for his receivers to uncover and then distributing the football. Look, every quarterback at this level can be accurate when it's perfect. But can you be accurate when it's not perfect? And that's what he's done time and time again. I think the challenge for Georgia is to not allow those improvisational plays to take place. And that's going to come down to N'Kobe Dean basically spying Bryce Young throughout the course of the game. And as soon as he leaves the pocket, N'Kobe Dean has to trigger. If he can do that and do that fast enough, they might be able to contain Bryce Young more so than they did the last time around. Listen, there's not a quarterback on the planet, and that includes Tom Brady, that wants you in their face. You know, no, nobody no. wants that. So <laughs> no. uh, he was able to get away with that in that SEC championship game. That could be the difference tonight. Uh, there's another quarterback, and again, uh, we talk about Stetson Bennett. Look at what he's done for Georgia this season. But actually, it's been a tale of two Stetson Bennett's. If you just look at the last two games in that SEC title game, Alabama intercepted him twice, sacked him three times. Times. A different story altogether in the Orange Bowl, averaging over three more attempts, uh, yards per attempt against Michigan. And again, that made a difference in the ball game. Greg, which Stetson Bennett will we see tonight? Well, you better hope if you're a Georgia fan that you get the Michigan version of Stetson Bennett. Now, I think some of the blame for the performance in the SEC championship game fell on his shoulders. That's to be expected. You're the quarterback. You receive all the credit. You also receive all the criticism. I did not think he played that poorly the first time around. Yes, the last interception was terrible, but the first one really wasn't on him. Brock Bauer stopped on the over route as he threw it in the red zone. Against Michigan, he got into a great rhythm early. Him and his offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, had a great plan. I'm sure they sat down in the days leading up to that game saying, hey, what are you most comfortable with? We want you to be as comfortable as possible as we go throughout this game. And we want to get our playmakers started early. That's why Brock Bowers got a touch on the first drive. James mm. Cook gets a touch early in that game as well. Get Lad McConkey going as well. So I think it's going to be very important for him to throw the guys open downfield, connect on those, while also being methodical in distributing to his playmakers and allowing them to run after catch. I think Seth Bennett's going to play well. You don't see a lot of starting quarterbacks in national championship games doubted the way that Stetson Bennett really has been throughout his career and certainly this year and certainly the last couple of weeks as well. Make no mistake, though, talent-wise, he's good enough to win this game. What he needs to do, though, is he has to avoid the two to three disaster plays yeah. that have really plagued him throughout his career. He can throw it. He can run it. But when you go back and you watch his two games against Bama, I think he played well enough to win those games minus two or three decisions or throws where you're like, 
did he just take a big mouthful of St. Elmo's <laughs> cocktail? The cleared hot, him out. Really right. just like kind. clouded his judgment. You're like, what are you doing? He's going to be motivated to go, you know the story. No Power 5 offers. He's right. a walk-on, goes to Juco, comes back, told he's not going to start. Has a chip on his shoulder against the Abama defense that has some injury problems at cornerback. He could have a big game, but he has to evad, avoid the disaster. Bad plays happen. Catastrophic plays can't happen. Right. Not in and a game you, like and this. you got to hold it together. I will say, if you don't know his story, it, it really is fascinating. Amazing. Amazing. With going to Georgia, going to JUCO, coming back again, grew up in Georgia. I mean, it's it, it, it's he's certainly motivated. That yep. there's no question about that. We're in a little bit of a vacuum here in Indianapolis, but that doesn't mean there's not college football news happening elsewhere. So take a look at this. USC quarterback Jackson Dart has entered the transfer portal. We've talked a lot about the portal. In this case, guys, you know exactly what it means for Lincoln Riley <laughs> and a certain other quarterback. And I'll let you explain exactly what that looks like. Uh, Greg. I didn't even know that this happened. This is literally breaking news to me as well. I must have missed this this <laughs> morning in preparation for this game tonight. It, it obviously, the obvious connection is Caleb Williams at, yeah. at Oklahoma. I think that's where everyone's kind of assuming, well, is he going to follow Lincoln Riley? He went to Oklahoma to play for Lincoln Riley. So it's obvious that those things would align, but I can assure you, talking to a lot of coaches, they're not the only ones that are in looking to try to get his services next year. There's a lot of coaches that have reached out to Caleb Williams to gauge his interest. A lot of coaches right now need to start getting on the phone to Jackson Dart. Yes. People at home don't know <laughs> who he player. is, by the way. He's he great. was outstanding coming off the bench this year when Keaton Slovis went down with injury. This dude's mega talented. It's been so interesting this offseason seeing how many quarterbacks have entered the portal, not just guys talented guys yeah. and Jackson Dart is one of those guys it's a topic for another day but if you don't think the transfer portal has changed college football well then buckle up because uh, <laughs> it's a different kind of landscape you guys are my favorite quarterbacks by the uh, way just so nice. you know now, you nice. took a shot early no, now you're building us back up listen are they more alike than they are different that's question asked a lot of times we're talking about the two head coaches we'll see tonight one thing we do know Nick Saban and Kirby Smart know each other well will we see a a different outcome when the two teams take the field tonight. We call that balling, doing this is my calling. Between these two coaches and teams continues. Better, pop, accent right there, good job. It'll never be about he and I. I know he won't make it that, and I won't make it that. It's about the players. That determines the outcome of games. This game is irrelevant of the SEC championship. Anxiety does not help performance. All right, I want you all to be good. I want you to want to be good, individually and collectively as a team, but not where it creates anxiety and fear of failure, that you're not going to be able to meet up to what somebody thinks. The only thing you've got to satisfy is yourself and your teammate. So let's make sure we stay focused on doing just that. Who will be left standing? and named national champions for the 2021 season. This team has overcome a lot of adversity and resiliency through the course of the year and extremely proud of the way they've put themselves in a position to have a chance to win a championship. There'll be a time to look back. There'll be a time to recognize what guys on this team have done. That time is not now. Playoff now streaming exclusively on ESPN+. 
Prior to getting the head coaching job at his alma mater, Kirby Smart was one of Nick Saban's longest tenured assistants. It was more than a stop or two. He spent 11 seasons under Saban at three different stops. LSU in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins and then at Alabama. Saban has never lost to a coach that was under him at Alabama. And Jesse, look, I mean, I, I understand for a lot of reasons, but, but then again, I'll, I'll ask it like this. Why do you think we're so fascinated uh, about the dynamic and the relationship between these two head well, coaches? Well, it's that what you just showed. Yeah. Like, I think what makes this so unique, it's the familiarity between these two coaches and obviously the success they've had as well. 11 years college and pro, Kirby Smart coached under Nick Saban, and they've had some epic games together against each other. Kirby's 0-4. In all of those games, they had the lead before Alabama came back. So Kirby Smart wouldn't admit this, but this is in a lot of ways, I think, personal for him. And he's even admitted this week that he still gets nightmares thinking back to some of those losses against Nick Saban. We always talk about players having to control their emotions. I think it's really important tonight. Kirby Smart controls his. He's fiery. He's competitive. We see him on the sideline. He gets animated. But this can't be Kirby versus Nick. This can't be trying to be the second assistant ever to beat his mentor. He just needs to go out, coach this game trusting he's got the best players and he's got the best scheme. That's the only way this gets done tonight for Georgia. So much easier said than done. Totally. And, and we all keep the records of, of these former assistant coaches against their head coach. It, it's like Bill Belichick in New England. All his assistant coaches get jobs somewhere else. When you're successful like Saban has been, the guys under you will get a chance to coach somewhere else because everyone's trying to find the same success that Saban has, that Belichick has. Can one of these assistants bring their style and their success to the place where they're getting hired. The Kirby Smart, this is going to be his fifth chance to get over that hump. And as much as we say it shouldn't be personal, it, it is going to be personal. In this situation, though, he has a talented football team, a very good defense, and should feel very confident going into this game except for what happened in the SEC championship game makes you a little nervous. That, that asterisk. <laughs> Listen, I don't think you'd be the fiery, passionate coach you are if this weren't personal, right? I mean, sure. your greatest strength, often your greatest weakness. Uh, let me ask you this, though, Jesse, because obviously we're not the only ones who talk about this or hear this. His players know it. He's a grown-up, right? He's a seasoned vet. Yep. What do you think his message has to be to his players? Like, hey, don't do this for me. You know, stay within yourselves. Do what got you here. Because I tell you what, I don't think it's lost on them either how much it would mean to him. It's not the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best. Don't think just because what happened in Atlanta, that's going to happen here again tonight, okay? Things we need to get better on defense in a couple different areas. But we've got the players to get this done. There's so many different variables that go in to these national championship rematches. Saw it in 96, Florida, Florida State, saw it in 11, Bama, LSU. There's scheme tweaks. There's injuries. And Alabama's got some key injuries in this game. And then there's the motivation and fire. And I think this time around, the chip is on Georgia's shoulder. They just need to be them, play smarter, because they might be the better team, and we're going to find out tonight. I tell you what, we mentioned the 0-4 and, and that they had leads in three out of the four. You should also know it was double-digit leads, right? Yeah. I mean, they, those games were in hand. Right there. Uh, right there. I will also say this. History has shown us it is also, though, difficult to beat the same team twice in one season. Kick in the air. LSU wins. I can tell you for sure now, LSU wins. And that will do it. Your final score, Florida State 24, Florida 21. It's a rematch, but oh my goodness, what a prize is waiting to be claimed.
Well, I think there's a chip on your shoulder. There's a, there's a, oh my goodness, how many times in life do you get a second chance at things that matter like this? Going into the national championship, we knew. We had that swagger about ourselves that they didn't want us in that game. No, don't nobody want to see that rematch. And Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. How about that? Alabama. They win the BCS championship. The Florida Gators have staked their claim for the national championship. That night was the night for the Gators. We won our first national title. It is the type of thing that dreams are made of. Yet another edition of a rematch. The fifth time that two AP top five teams will meet twice in a season. Good news for Georgia that in all previous four instances, the team that lost the first game won the second game by at least three touchdowns. With that, welcome back. Dan Mullen, Matt Berry alongside. So let's talk about the anatomy of a rematch, Coach, because we just showed you a little vignette there of what it happens. I put yep. the numbers on paper. So as it relates to this one between Alabama and Georgia, we know what the tie did in the SEC championship. Take me through the rematch tonight and who you think it might favor. You know, I, I think it favors Georgia because they're going to look at that game. They're going to be able to make the corrections and look at the mistakes, things they made mistakes on. Uh, they're going to be motivated to correct those mistakes uh, and find ways to fix. We have to attack. We're going to attack their defense this way a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Here are some things they did to slow us down in game one. Here's how we're going to attack it in game two. The same on the other side of the ball. Here's where, right, here's where Alabama had success, putting up all the points putting up, making these big plays down the field. Here's the adjustments we feel comfortable making. Alabama, on the other hand, is coming in with maybe the mental confidence of right. it, right? Which is, hey, we were able to beat them once, okay? But now you're looking at the players. You remember, these are young guys, okay? And as the coaches come in, let's change the game plan to this. Players are going why, why, why didn't we just we just executed it and you know we just we just dominated them this way we just beat them by a couple of scores and so I think I think for the young guys I think the the edge goes to Georgia and you've seen that in the last as we just saw in the last five times in college football it's not the NFL where you play teams twice a year right. three times a year and we're talking about talent too Georgia noted as the more talented team and you, you you can break down for us what Georgia must do to Alabama offensively if they want to get this win tonight absolutely they have to they have to change what they didn't weren't able to do in game one which is to affect Bryce Young in the pocket he was able to win the Heisman Trophy in that game with his performance but if you go to the semifinal game Cincinnati creates a five down look right here all man blocking across the front a twist game pressure up the middle on him now as you see this in his face okay he's got to throw off his back foot the ball sails on him creates a turnover and an interception we didn't see this against Georgia Georgia tried to four man rush at first twist games Picked up, really clean pocket, all day to throw the ball. He gets Jamison Williams on a double move, a deep shot down the field, no one affecting him in the pocket. So then they decided to bring simulated pressure. See the backer coming up inside, still the twist game off the side. Alabama, again, does a great job picking it up. You look around, clean pocket for Bryce Young. He can see the field, even for a guy that's not six foot tall. He has unbelievable vision down the field. 
hits Jamison William across the middle of the field. And when you get him in the open field, he's going to go score. Sure. So Georgia's got to find a way to get Bryce Young off the spot. They have got to find a way to make him move around and not have that clean pocket affect his vision, take away one or two of his reads, and limit his ability to just stand there and deliver the ball away. Those numbers speak for themselves, Coach. His completion percentage, pressured or not pressured, if you don't get on this Heisman Trophy winner and get that wash in yeah. his face, you're going to pay for it dearly. You are. Now, now he is pretty good right oh, now play, of yeah. picking it up and knowing what's going to happen. He knows, I mean, he knows where to go with the ball. I don't see him get flustered, but you can see from those numbers, he's not a big guy. That pressure gets up in his face. It makes him have to throw and change angles. He's not as efficient. One thing I'm going to be entertained to watch early on in this game, we know John Metzi, six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown in that SEC championship. How does his absence affect what Alabama might do offensively? Coach Mullen, thank you. We'll be here throughout the day getting you set X's and O's for this matchup. We're just hours away from the start of the national championship game. Time now to take a look at the one final team vote brought to you by Dr. Pepper. Who do the people like, Coach? Well, 56% of America... Yeah. Or at least all uh, of Alabama. I didn't vote on that one. You did not. Good. Smartphone. <laughs> but you don't have a flip phone, so that's good. 56% for Alabama and Georgia at 44% in our one final team vote. We are just getting started with coaches. Luke Fickle, Cincinnati head coach. He has real game experience from just a week ago taking on Alabama to college football playoff semifinals. He will join me live in mere moments. And the College Football Playoff Foundation, the largest sports organization supporting educators in America. And ESPN is proud to continue supporting the foundation and its Extra Yard for Teachers initiative, bringing college football together to show support for educators by recognizing the hard work, long hours, and dedication to their students. Thousands of teachers have been positively impacted by the joint effort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aerial coverage provided by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. As we fly high above the city of Indianapolis, we look back at how the Goodyear Cotton Bowl unfolded for Alabama. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Cincinnati, the only undefeated team left. If you want to have a shot at the title, you got to beat the champs. Alabama's been here before. One pass. This is a new experience for Cincinnati. You think a good start is a short throw caught by Scott at the 25 and runs for the first down and more. Timeout Alabama. 
Take a look at today's more driven player presented by Goodyear. Alabama's offense relied heavily on the run game and running back Brian Robinson Jr. finished with 204 rushing yards, which was a career high and the third most rush yards ever in a college football playoff game. Here's how I want to start this conversation with Cincinnati head ball coach Luke Fickle joining us now. I choose to look back at Alabama in the Cotton Bowl as a win for them, but I want to start with a celebration of Cincinnati football. I know you're up here watching that recap thinking, well, hell, there's us losing again. <laughs> Remarkable season, Coach. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, for some of those guys in the way you know the year before was, for them to come back because they felt like they had unfinished business, uh, to do it the way they did it, uh, you know, kind of be on top and have a bullseye on your back and play from a little different spot than we've ever played from mm -hmm. before. And uh, out front and with some of the, you know, the people talking about you and telling you different things, they did an unbelievable job at growing and handling everything that was thrown at them. And I find that you have a remarkable take now because you just played Alabama a week ago. You know exactly what Georgia's getting into as they do from the SEC championship. But I love your perspective on it because you're a defensive guy at heart. And both of these teams bring in two very good defenses. Georgia historically good. Alabama under Nick Saban is one of the best we've ever seen. Walk us through some of that. Well, I think in, in particular, they're, they know each other really well. Obviously, Kirby's come from, obviously, the Nick Saban tree, and, and so they're going to know a lot about each other. I think they're, they're a little bit different. I think, um, as you will see here, I think Georgia, by nature, may be a little bit more aggressive, and I mean that in, in ability to blitz and do some things, and I think for Alabama, they got to try to take advantage of that. You know, here's Georgia blitzing against uh, against uh, Michigan and, and then the ability to take some shots and make some of those big plays. I think that Georgia by nature, you know, does that a little bit more. Alabama, to me, against us in the low, but this year, more sound. I mean, here's a, not overloading the box, but yet still is really difficult to run the football on them. And uh, so their ability to kind of do that, uh, along with being able to, you know, bring some pressure as well, which I don't think that Alabama has done as much this year. They've gotten away with it. But here when they do, very sound with underneath coverage, be able to match some things, still with a guy deep to give you, you know, to eliminate the, the bigger plays. Um, I think it's going to be a heavyweight fight. And uh, I think they're going to be swinging at each other back and forth, especially in the first half, trying to figure out what different things they'll do um, since they just played each other a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, those halftime adjustments can be really big. I've heard just about every superlative you can use to discuss Will Anderson Jr., the talented sophomore, arguably the best player in college football. You saw him with your own two eyes just a week or so ago. How would you describe this defensive player? <sighs> There's everything he does. And, and he can, you know, he's in different spots. Obviously, they play a three-down front where he's kind of an outside backer. They play a four-down front where he's a tremendous pass rush guy. I think what he doesn't get as much credit for, we run a, a quarterback counter play, obviously quarterback run, which sometimes outnumbers people in the box. He not only spills the block of the guard, he takes out the block of the, of the, of the tailback, who is the extra lead guy, and then still makes the play on the quarterback for a one-yard gain. Um, there's so many things he can do. 
what they will do with him, obviously, they, they, they've got a lot of different options, um, but they've got to know where he is at all times. On the other side of the ball for Georgia, to Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, these guys are game wreckers in their own right. They are, and, and that's where it's kind of a heavyweight battle back and forth. To me, obviously, being a defensive guy, yeah. the two of these guys in particular defensive guys, I think playing each other a couple weeks ago uh, is unique because they know how each other goes about things. They're going to try to say, okay, what different? Because we all got to do something different. That's right. right? We got to do something different. So what are they going to do different as they kind of slug it out in the first half to make their adjustments? I think will be a big part of it. Advantage who in a rematch after losing <laughs> or winning? I, I don't know that there's really an advantage, to be honest with you. I think sometimes you get into it too much. You know, maybe I know this guy this well. I right. know this guy. I think the idea that hey, they're trying to assume what the other guy is going to do different, uh, I don't know that it matters, to be honest with you. I think it's more of just kind of who can kind of settle their group down, who can recognize the differences that they've done in the, in the last couple weeks, and then who can make those adjustments. Do you make anything of it? I think this is a fascinating conversation because you had touched on it. Kirby Smart comes from Nick Saban. He was assistant for him for 11 years, and now he's built a program in Georgia. It's one of the best in the country. Is there a mental – forget the talent. Georgia's got the talent, if not more. Is there a mental <laughs> hurdle to this task? I think there is, but I think the mental hurdle is the five days leading up to it. Okay. Once the ball's kicked off, I mean, you could be playing your brother. You could be playing somebody you have no idea who they are. But those five days prior, those seven days prior trying to, well, I know this guy so well, so what's he going to do? And, and, and I know I've seen him make adjustments here. I've seen him do this. I think that you can kind of wear yourself out trying to figure that thing out and trying to say, okay, I know this guy. i got to assume what he's going to be able to do. And it leads for a lot of sleepless nights. I know that. I can imagine. And now your sleepless nights are here with us <laughs> doing some TV. We look forward to your perspective throughout the day. You'll be here at Championship Drive College Game Day. Luke Fickle, uh, Cincinnati head coach, talking ball with us on the day of the National Championship. There is so much to get into with this particular matchup. So what we did is we took the numbers, we swirled them up, and we're going to give you a nice, tidy numbers crunch. For the second time in five seasons, Alabama and Georgia meet for the national title, including that classic from 2017. Ah! Smith wins the national championship! The Bulldogs have blown leads in each of the last four meetings with Alabama. From the point Georgia took its biggest lead of the game, they were outscored a combined 105-17 the rest of the way. The Bulldogs may again be favored over the Tide, as they were in Atlanta, but Nick Saban's team has thrived as an underdog. The rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy. <laughs> Let's go. Alabama has been an underdog three times in the last 13 seasons and has won every game by at least 17 points. Two of those wins came against Georgia. The Bulldogs will need quarterback Stetson Bennett to be better against Alabama. He looks and throws intercepted Alabama, the second pick of the day. In losses each of the last two years, Bennett has completed 53% of his passes with five interceptions. He's been sacked five times and his QBR is a below average 43. In that same span against teams not named Alabama, Bennett has an 85 QBR and a 30-8 touchdown-to-interception ratio. It would also help if Georgia could slow down the Alabama passing game. Steps back, looks long, throws, Jamison Williams, touchdown, Alabama! 
In the SEC Championship game, Bryce Young threw 421 yards and three touchdowns. Wide receiver John Metchie III will not be on the field for this one, but Jamison Williams and the rest of the tied receiving core will still be a challenge for the Bulldogs. Thank you. Our friends at Caesar Sportsbook say that Georgia is still a slight favorite headed into tonight. Georgia six-point favorite headed into the SEC championship game, which ended up being the third straight win for Alabama as an underdog. You can't talk Vegas. You can't talk gambling insight without our resident experts, the Bear, Chris Felica, and Stanford Steve, a.k.a. our gambling Burt and Ernie. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. All the kind words, obviously. Bear, we are here. It's finally here. We got the rematch. Everybody's excited. Just talked to somebody who put in the biggest bet of their life. Yes. I've just heard that. Those words were said. Surprising set. side, too. Uh, let's get to some prop bets here, okay? Uh, you like Georgia. I like Bama in the matchup. But when I look at the matchup and the prop numbers and all that stuff, I look at Stetson Bennett, right? His over-under pass yards is 255 and a half. I love what I saw from him in the Orange Bowl against Michigan. I think Georgia has to throw the ball down the field, and I take the over of his pass yards in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game, and we'll get to the run game. But I like over yards for, for uh, Stetson Bennett. And, and I agree with you with the Georgia approach of passing and both of my props uh, deal with Georgia throwing the ball. And the first one is Brock Bowers to score. First touchdown of the game, plus 750, and he's scoring any time touchdown. You look at Bowers and the matchup problems mm -hmm. that he can create against that back seven with some injuries and some, some, some inexperience back there. He's got, like, six touchdowns in the last four games, 12 or 13 on the year. Uh, you see him getting the ball early and often. Betson, uh, Bennett loves throwing him the ball. So Bowers to score a touchdown, first touchdown, any time touchdown is one of my uh, – Okay. I go out on the Alabama side. I mentioned I think there's going to be a lot of throwing in this game. I think both teams are going to struggle with the run. I look at Brian Robinson, who ran all over Cincinnati, over 200 yards. Alabama ran for over 300 in that game. I look at Brian Robinson under 67 and a half rush yards here. I think it's going to be a Bryce Young day, and I think it's going to be a big day. But I think Robinson's going to have to, uh, a tough time running the ball. I'll go under 67 and a half yeah, yards. You, you, would, you would think that the, the Georgia defense would do a much better job yeah. slowing him down on the ground. But I am going to go back to another Georgia passing prop. Okay. I'm going to go with Jermaine Burton over 36 and a half receiving yards. I think a lot of times in games like this, we talk about Bowers, we talk about Jamison Williams, we talk about Pickens, we talk about all the stars. It's someone else quite often who has a big play or a big game, and Burton had a big catch in the yeah. Orange Bowl. I think if you focus on Bowers and Washington and Pickens and either Cook or McIntosh coming out of the backfield, all you need is basically one big play from Burton, and, and you've gotten it more often than not this year. So give me Jermaine Burton over 36 and a half yards. All right. Devontae Smith had a pretty big play that Yeah, that he sure did. A couple years ago. That hit his prop over. All right, that'll do it for us. More coming up on College Football Live. We'll be back. College Football Live, built by the Home Depot is brought to you by Mercedes EQ and the all-new, all-electric EQS. This is for you, world. Welcome back to College Football Live, built by the Home Depot. 
You know, at this level of competition, guys, the margin of error is so small. The difference between a win and a loss and a championship and a runner-up status is razor thin. It's why all of the coaches spend sleepless nights trying to find an edge on their competition. But for Georgia football, getting closer to their goals actually required getting closer. From 54 yards out. There it is. Got it. Happy New Year, Bulldogs. We barely escaped with a win on a last-second field goal. And I'm sitting there asking myself, all right, where would our program be if we don't make that field goal? What can we do different to get better? I wanted to try something new, and it was going to take everybody buying in. With help from the team psychologist, Smart implemented skull sessions, regular small group meetings where players open up about their lives and motivations. Score session is for guys to become more connected on the team. We'll have like main groups with the whole team and then we'll like split in small like 10, 15 uh, player groups. What happens in our room stays in our room. A lot of people open up, they told stories and you know, just being able to know the other person why, you know, what makes them tick. It allows the other guys to see you more as a person, not just a football player. I love you, boy. It's definitely working because I know what pushes them, they know what pushes me. So it's like, let me give you my all. You know, these Division I programs, guys, they're almost overscheduled. Every single moment accounted for so that they can maximize their time. Kirby Smart admitted they had to sacrifice some of the X's and O meetings, some of the scheme meetings, to get these skull sessions in. But they saw the return on investment almost immediately. It started showing up on the film, the camaraderie, the bonding. And they're hoping that that is the X factor as they take on Alabama tonight in the national championship. Wendy? Jen, thank you. It makes a lot of sense. Joe Tess is going to look a little bit more at this mental matchup uh, that we'll see tonight as well. Uh, coming up in just a bit, we're joined now by college football senior reporter Heather Denich. And it's interesting, Heather, you've been following the playoffs and the potential expansion for what, months, years? Uh, we knew the committee met Saturday, and they met two more days, so three straight days. And yet today, it does not look like we have expansion. What can you tell us? Right, Wendy, today the presidents and chancellors met with the 10 FBS commissioners and Jack Swarbrick, and they could not come to a consensus. They couldn't come to an agreement on expansion right now. But they did not entirely rule out the possibility that it could still happen before the end of the contract. And so one of the things that's still holding it up is automatic qualifiers, whether or not the Power Five Conference champions should be guaranteed a spot. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren said that he still stands behind that. He believes if the Big Ten champion plays that kind of schedule, they should be in the college football playoff. Well, let's be clear here. When, when everyone was leaving, only one person was to comment, and they said we are nowhere near unanimity, which is what I think we're going to have to have or, or get pretty close to see expansion. But it's, there's money at stake here. We know that. Uh, Greg, what... What do you anticipate happens next? Well, I, I'm a little bit frustrated, to be honest with you, as a college football fan, thinking that expansion would be good for all parties. And this is the 12-team format. Correct. We should, we should specify that. Yes, the 12-team format is, is where we're going. And the fact that we're having a discussion right now, acting as if the Power Five is still the Power Five of today. 
with where the sport's going, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, the Big 12 is no different in two or three years, whenever that day may come, from what the American is right now. Because the best teams in the Big 12 might very well be American teams and potentially BYU, who, of course, has been independent for quite some time. So I have always kind of fallen in line to the, hey, top six. The top six teams, if you win your conference, you're in. But it doesn't have to specify power five versus group of five. Just the top six conference champions all deserve a spot at the table with six at large. Look, this is a process. Processes are not always pretty. You know, that's just, that's not how things work. And so perhaps right now is the time we're seeing some of this acrimony. We're seeing some frustration. Uh, how would you characterize the acrimony we're seeing, especially between some of these conference commissioners? Well, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby came out of the meeting today and he said that he was frustrated. He called it Groundhog's Day. He said that the four people who were tasked with coming up with this 12-team proposal, the commissioners have met more times as a group than it took them to actually come up with the proposal at this point. Um, but that that's the thing, is that they are not coming to an agreement on all of those things that you saw on the screen. And guys, we're still talking about the number of teams. Right. Yeah, let's, there's right. a lot of hoops to jump through. There are. So having said that, Heather, listen, you know, you know this process as well as anybody. They say it doesn't mean it won't happen. I get that. It's still a possibility. But is it also a possibility that they ultimately don't come to an agreement on this? It is. I mean, it has to be, right? It is, and it, it's important to remember that if it is going to happen before the end of the 2025 season, which is when this contract runs through a 12-year agreement, it has to be unanimous. The presidents today did not vote. The commissioners voted, and as you mentioned, Bowlesby said it was nowhere near unanimity. Now, if you get beyond that 2025 contract, then it doesn't necessarily have to be unanimous. Well, then all bets are off. And now we might at this point. And, and going back to your earlier point, Greg, you believe this is a good thing for college football. Just tell us why. Because essentially when it comes to right now the era of recruiting, when you're a team like Alabama, a team like Georgia, you can sell the fact that, hey, we're going to the playoff. Like that, that's an easy thing to sell. So as a result, regional loyalty is essentially out the window. Guys want to go somewhere where they can contend for a national championship and go to the NFL. Well, right now, there is one specific place that is doing that better than anybody else. That's Alabama. Georgia's right behind them. The one thing that's <laughs> eluding them could be solved tonight. That's the national championship piece. So I think if there's more teams that are capable of making the playoff, they might be more capable of also keeping kids at home. How many kids from California are playing quarterback at institutions, there were three guys that finished in the top seven of the Heisman Trophy. Matt Corral, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. And where are they? All from California, yeah. not playing at a Pac-12 school. So I think that would be big to keep guys at home, to keep them close to home is significant. But I also think even beyond that, more people will be invested in November. If you lose a game, it's not over. Every game will, in fact, matter especially if it goes to the conference champions. I want to say this. I think the fact that after three straight days of meeting that there hasn't been a little bit more progress, it is notable. I mean, it's not, you know, we're not sending up panic flags, but it is notable, Heather, and the obvious question here to you is then, all right, what happens next sort of procedurally? So um, Mark Keenum, the president of Mississippi State, he's the chair of that 11 presidents and chancellors, and he said that they're going to meet again in a couple of weeks, whether it's just the commissioners or them and the presidents, to talk about this again. But to your point, I want to make it clear for people watching that they are in agreement that expansion is good Necessary. for college yeah. football, I think, right? There are some people who are saying, and Greg Sankey will tell you this, he said it repeatedly, four has worked, it is working, it can continue to work. That doesn't mean it won't say it for. Right. 
sure, right. right? But there is an agreement that expansion is good for college football. The question is, are they going to get there and when? <laughs> and <laughs> Again, I, the, and the operative question, right. are they going to get there and, and when? And let's remind ourselves, too, expansion doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have more parity. Because we have an expanded Which playoff format. Which is what we format. talked about last week, right, Correct. after those semifinal we games. We have an expanded playoff format in the FCS, and last time I checked, North Dakota State's won 9 of 11. So it doesn't necessarily Fair. mean that there's going to be different teams playing in the national championship game, but it brings more people to the party late in the season. For instance, the ACC championship game, we would have been losing our minds about Pitt and Wake Forest because the winner would make the college football playoff. So I think expansion is good. But the ultimate goal is still to crown a worthy champion, which we are currently doing. All right. Well, COVID notwithstanding, who doesn't want more people at the party? Right? I, mean, like, <laughs> I, <think so. laughs> I say more, more is more. <laughs> Why not? Heather, thank you. Uh, as I've said a million times, we've spoken to be continued. And indeed, it will be. Uh, College Football Live is to be continued as well. Coming up, we'll look at the images of what was a tremendous college football season. And there's a look from our drone, or you'll see it in just a minute, powered by AT&T 5G. But tonight, we are counting down down the hours now Georgia Alabama all the marbles tonight the kickoff at 8 o'clock Eastern 5 o'clock Pacific what is that about five and change guys uh, first it was weeks and then it was days and now we are finally counting down the hours and there's a look from our drone again powered by AT&T 5G not a better bird's eye view than that college football live continues with images of the year after this College Football Live is built by the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Our January sports calendar rolls on on Sunday with the Spanish Super Cup Final and the start of the Australian Open next week. We'll have the first ever Monday night wildcard playoff game and UFC 270 is Saturday, the 22nd. But first... Tonight's national championship game live from Lucas Oil Stadium. Kickoff 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. And look at the megacast. You can pick any number of 2,000 ways to watch or listen on our family of networks. The heart is pumping. You get the fans rocking. All you can think about is just you and your opponent. Locked in and focused on the task at hand. It's always a ton of energy. Like a dog, ready to break off a leash. The dream since the beginning is go win the college football playoffs. And play on this stage. Team will be fired up and you're gonna be ready to go. Knowing that you're about to go out there into a war, nothing else like it. Well, it is difficult to beat a team twice in one season. History tells us that. But it's also possible that Alabama just may have Georgia's number. Here's Joe Tessitore with tonight's mental matchup. There's so much to preview when it comes to this matchup. But the one thing that we can't escape is that Bama has won seven straight against Georgia. Yeah. Bama just came back and won the SEC championship against Georgia. There's the mental side of this matchup that everybody points to. How real is it? Well, I think it's real, and I think a lot of people think that, that Alabama has a mental edge, and I don't know if that's really true. I know they've won a bunch in a row, but, man, when I, when I look at the intentions of a team and the focus, I might give that edge towards Georgia right now. I think this Georgia team is backs against the wall, a lot like Alabama was 
in the SEC championship. And I don't think these Georgia players are intimidated at all by Bama like a lot of teams are. A lot of teams lose to Bama and Nick Saban before it's ever been kicked off. So, so I don't think the that's bus. the case. As soon as they get off the bus. Oh, it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. No doubt. I tell you what, guys, I do think that Alabama has an edge because Alabama knows we can beat this team. Like, they know that. Georgia's like – we oh, hope hoping. we can beat it. Yeah. We hope we can beat them. We wish. You know what I mean? Are they hoping? Yeah. Are they wishing? But they don't know. To me, Alabama's like, listen, we beat this team decisively, not in their backyard because it wasn't at this, but their neighbor's backyard because yeah. it was in Atlanta. So we went to their neighbor's backyard and we handled their business. Going to that game, who would have thought they would score on five consecutive drives against the best defense yeah. we've seen in college right. football in a long time? So to me, the, the mental edge has to go to Alabama because they step on that field. They know we can beat this team. We got the two best players, too. On offense, we got Bryce Young. And on defense, we got Will Anderson, Anderson Jr. Yeah. I think the emotion in this game is obviously going to be a real thing. I think something that gives Georgia a bit of an edge is this time the chip is on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. They're the betting favorite still. But they're the ones that I think are playing angry yes. in, in this game. The first time they played in Atlanta, yeah. they were the number one team. Yeah. We all put them on a pedestal. Bama right. came in, one loss. They were the underdog, and they played like it. Yep. They played with their hair on fire, and they, they, they made an example out of the Georgia Bulldogs. This time around, that defense from, the, from Georgia, yeah, yeah. it's a generational defense. They gave up 41 points to your point, Des. Yeah. They, they're going to try and prove that that was just an anomaly. Yes. And they're going to make an example. The quarterback sets in Bennett. When, when did national championship start in quarterback's game? get scrutinized or questioned, well, doubted, as often as him. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of reason for this Georgia team to play yeah. angry. They're going to have to play with controlled anger. Yeah. But that motivation, I think, is a real thing for Georgia. Hey, Timmy, how much do you buy in to the talk that when they played in the SEC championship game, it was a bunch of 18 to 21-year-olds that already knew they were in the college football playoff compared to it was an Alabama team back against the wall, do or die, got to have it. I think it's more of what Jesse said. I, I think it's more of that it was Alabama's backs against the wall, everything's on the line, and there's just a sense of urgency that you play with, and I think Georgia is going to have more of that. In you got game. it now. You got it now. It, it, this is the last one. And, and do I, it that, I, I think it's I think it's hard to understand at home that 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 edge, that that difference that when you're playing inspired, when you're playing ticked off, when you're playing with great leadership, the difference that it makes because that game wasn't as far the difference wasn't as big as the score indicated. Mm-hmm. There was a few plays that changed everything in that game. Yeah, well, that's because you have two extremely talented teams. But, again, when I look at Alabama, I just think that you're looking at a team right now that not only do they know they can beat Georgia, but Georgia mentally, where are they? Don't forget, now Kirby Smart is 0-4 against Nick Saban. And not only is he 0-4, but in four of those games, he's had the lead, yeah. right? And in three of those four, he had double-digit leagues, including the SEC championship game. And everyone knows this team was constructed to beat Alabama. (laughs) Not not Tennessee, not Kentucky, not even Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they had everything going for them going to that SEC championship game, and they blew it. So now it's like, where are they mentally? Because everyone keeps talking about it's the Saban factor. Guess who's going to be coaching on the other sideline again? Mm -hmm. Nick Saban. Well, in in most of those games, I think Georgia has come out with the best better game plan, yeah. but Saban and Alabama have had better adjustments. That's one thing I'm oh, super good, fascinated to watch point, in this great game. Great point. It's not always the best team that wins. 
-hmm. It's the team that plays the best. We've seen rematches in national championships before. 96 Florida State, Florida, 2011 LSU, Alabama. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. In in those (laughs) games, the best team didn't win the first game. They just made more mistakes. Mm. That might be what happened in Atlanta in the SEC title game. We'll see. It is the mental factor. If you're Georgia, don't let that script A and the guy with the folded arms and no (laughs) smile beat you. We get the answer Monday night at 8 p.m. Test guys, thank you. What a season it has been. And after tonight, that's a wrap. We leave you with images of the year. College football is back. This place is nuts. Welcome back to college football.
football playoff semifinal day begins. They throw deep to an open receiver. Down to the pylon. Touchdown, Alabama. We're going to win in the net and repeat. Here we go. The anticipated collision between the Wolverines and the Bulldogs. The screen balls heaves down. Georgia manhandling Michigan and booking that revenge tour matchup with Alabama and Indy.